Okay, um, we'll start with an introduction before we read our Bible uh, passage for today, Mark 9, 14 to 27. Uh, but um, introduction, we, we're talking about fear. You know, the Bible says fear not. So we want to talk about how to stop feeding fear and how to overcome it. How to stop feeding fear and how to overcome it. You know, fear is one of the things that can, one of the greatest, strongest motivators for humans out there. Because it can actually push us into action or it can push us into inaction. It can cause us to freeze, you know. So, um, I don't know if anybody has a story that you want to share. I'll share mine very briefly. Um, a couple of years ago, before I got married, I was still a bachelor. And uh, I was living alone. Or rather, I had a roommate, at that, a, a flatmate at that time. Uh, but at that particular night, he wasn't around. So I was alone at home. And about 2, 2.30 in the morning, I just started hearing a pounding, not on my door, on my wall. You know, obviously thieves. Just, they had armors and they were just going boom, boom, boom on the wall. And in a matter of minutes, the wall was caving in. And I had to shout and say, oh, they calm down, calm down, calm down. You know, as a bachelor, that particular night, I didn't even lock my door. So if they had actually opened the door, I just walked in straight. But I just assumed that, uh, you know, that I had locked the door. So I told them, so they came in, and it was an interesting experience. All through, they didn't touch me. As they entered the house, I just went to one corner, and I was just speaking in tongues out loud. And they were asking me questions, where is the money? I said, which money? There's no money. Because they thought I had a lot of money at that time. I had this very big BMW 5 Series, you know, cruising around in town with it. They didn't know that uh, uh, bank accounts. Mm-mm. You know, so they thought I had money. So where's the money? So they entered the house. I was a bachelor. I was fresh. I think I was just two years. I started working. And they entered the house. And lo and behold, the only thing they could see, apart from my mattress that was in my room, was just a TV set. So they were seriously disappointed. And they attempted to beat me, but the Holy Spirit must have held them down because they couldn't even touch me. One of them tried to attack me, and I increased the tongues I was speaking and he stopped, and he just left angrily and went to the next flat and raided the next flat. You know, but that was my experience that night. But I couldn't sleep till morning. And the next day, I couldn't even sleep in the house. I think it was on the fourth day that I could sleep that I went back there. That night, that fourth day, as a bachelor again, I was cooking indomie, which was normal. And I was alone. I was in my boxers, I was in the kitchen, and I just heard some noise in my roof. I think it was some rats chasing each other. I didn't wait. I didn't even know what happened. The next thing I knew was I had run out of the house into the compound. I was in the streets, and in one hand, I had fork, and the second hand, I had a pack of Indomie, and I was wondering, 
How did I even get here? <laughs> you know, the fear of the experience of the previous days, it just shook me that I could not even think. The only thing I could think was, run! And I ran. Amen. <laughs> so that was one experience as I was praying this, that I just remember that the day that I knew that, you know when they talk about uh, uh, I was having goosebumps, I could see the skin, all the air on my body were like this. It was standing one one. It's fear. So I don't, I don't know. Is anybody here that also has an experience that you want to share for just for us to use that as a kickoff experience? Sometimes that you are really, really afraid something that happened to you. Yes, ma. Um, ushers, there's a hand here. Anybody that has an experience to share. Because my own experience at that time motivated me to freeze into inaction. But Praise the Lord. Yes, ma'am. Hallelujah. This, um, it happens, I think, was it not in 2017 or so? I was in my room. We have all slept. My husband traveled, thank God he traveled, he was not around. And um, I think we parked two cars in the compound. So these four boys, small, small boys, four of them came in through the kitchen window. <laughs> you know, then we thought, ah, by the grace of God, I'm robber cannot come into our homes, you know. Ah, I slept. I just heard a sound on my door. Ah, who is that? With fear. I heard my son's voice, my last son. He said, Mommy, open the door. I said, eh? Mommy, open the door. You know, without fear now, I just quickly rushed out from my bed and I opened my door. Behold. I saw my son with four hefty boys. Yeah, money, yeah. Yeah, guess what? I shut up your mouth. Guess who? Ah, money, baby. So they came into my room. Yeah, I was shivering. Then I started praying in my heart. They said, Where are your goals? Where, where is your money? I said, ah, I'm a civil servant. I don't have money. Say, so where is the gold? I said, ah, I don't have gold. I only have accessories. So yeah, bring out your accessories. And I brought everything out. They, they did not touch it. Then I went to my daughter's room. Hey, hey. I was in my room. They said, oh yeah, your face on the ground. I was just praying. Yeah. Greet me that early morning. It was around 2 a.m. to 3. They went to my husband's room. My son was the one leading them. Yes, they got hold of my son and he was the one leading them. They went to my husband's room. He was not there. They took the, they were looking for the keys of the car. They came back to me. Oh, yeah, madam, where is your husband's key? Say, ah, he has traveled. I'm not with the key. Hey, you are not with the key? So I'm not with the key. They now went around. My junior brother was with me there. And he's uh, an ex-service police uh, officer. They now went into his room. They wanted to kill him. All. Said, we will kill you. If you know, I was praying. And I thank God, God answers my prayers. Amen. They did not do anything, any harm. 
to any one of us. They did not have my junior brother, neither my children, my daughter, you know, a grown-up daughter. After I said that, no, she said, they came in and they asked, oh, yeah, where is your money? And she said, I'm a student. You are a student, where is the money? She now gave them the purse. They checked the purse, they opened it, and they gave it to her back. They did not take 10 naira from the money in the purse. I give glory to God. Whoa. That was my first experience Amen. of arm robber. And I thank God nothing happened to any one of us. Amen. They did not vandalize the cars. The cars were there. I give glory to Almighty God. All right. So now, if anything comes uh, close to that kind of experience, how do you react? Do you react? Uh, does that, I mean, fear comes on you, of course. But does it take you into inaction? Like mine when I just froze, or it takes you to respond to action. No, no, no. it will not come in. It Jesus will not name. come again in Jesus' name. Oh. Amen. I will run out. Oh. <laughs> ah. Because those boys, if you see them, if you see the weapons they are Praise holding. Ah. Amen. Praise God. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Ma. Okay, so we, we'll take our text for today from Mark 9 14 to 27. And I'll read it very quickly. Mark 9, 14 to 27. Mark 9, 14 to 27. It says, when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, he threw the child into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd, ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet and he stood up. May the Lord bless the reading and the airing of his word in the name of Jesus. The story of the, this father um, is a story that depicts 
someone coming to Jesus as a result of the fear of what he had experienced in the past. You know, he had brought the, the son to the disciples, asking that, please, this boy needs help, this boy needs, uh, he needs deliverance. And they, they couldn't cast out the demon. But Jesus appeared, and as you can see, he was narrating what was happening, that, oh, anytime the spirit enters him, he throws him on the ground, he freezes up. At times, when it is water that is around, it just freezes or falls inside water. If it is fire, it falls inside fire. And all of that past experiences had cost him that he had gotten to a point of inaction. He didn't even know what next to do. So he brought them, he brought the boy to Jesus. The thing about fear is that it grabs our attention. It makes us to either want to fight or to, or to run. It makes us to either want to fight or to flee. People react to fear in different ways. Some people at times re react like with uh, bragado, shakara, you know. There was a time I had a, a, a gentleman that needed to do um, some stuff for me on the, on the computer. And um, it was running way behind shadow. And I was sitting across watching him. I was upset because he was way behind shadow. And he was looking so calm, collected, as if, he couldn't be, as if he couldn't be bothered. And that was really, really upsetting me because I would expect him to, you know, try and hurry. Only for me to move close to him. And I realized that, yes, he was looking calm and collected, but his hands was shaking like this. He was afraid. He froze. So what I saw... On the outside, the shakara was not really in. What was really inside was a state of panic. Like this man is going to kill me today. I'm running behind. And, and at times, when we're in a state of fear, we, we react that way. We want to muscle it up, you know. Praise God. So there are different types of. There, 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 I mean, the Bible talks about different types of fear, and and, and people have. Um, they fear in different ways. You know, I just explained one. Now, we, we, we will start out by understanding the good fear, what, we call, what I will call the good fear. And that fear will be the fear of the Lord. Oh, okay, sorry, before we even go, go into that. When, when we experience fear, it's, it provokes us into different responses, at times into wrong and dangerous, dangerous responses, and at times into good, good, it can push us into, uh, I mean, some good, good uh, responses. Praise the Lord. Fear can contribute to obeying or disobeying God's law. Because when you are afraid and you let that fear to take over you, you, you temporarily shut down your senses. The ability to be able to make the decision on right or wrong, you temporarily you lose that, that opportunity, that uh, uh, ability. So in today's world where we are in, there are different things that actually cause fear. There are different things that uh, is making people to actually panic and be afraid. Praise God. So there are different things in today's world that actually causes people to be afraid. 
you know, uh, and, they are, and they are real things. You know, the most common that we see around us today, um, you, you, I mean, what, what would you say is the most common thing that is making everybody in Nigeria to be afraid now? Ah, coronavirus. Everybody is afraid of coronavirus. You know, there's different, all sorts of, all sorts of greetings now. Some people are doing leg shake now, elbow shake, you know, because, I mean, it's, and it's real. It's real, so we, we may laugh about it because I've seen a lot of um, skits, a lot of videos online about, uh, oh, we're going to chase it out the way we chase the Ebola. We're going to use broom. We're gonna... I mean, those are comics. Those are just for the fun. But we actually need to take it seriously. Not like we should be afraid and freeze, but we need to know that this is real and we need to do pay the necessary attention uh, to it. I mean, all the things they've told us about, uh, keep a healthy distance away from anybody that you feel is feverish, coughing, sneezing, uh, sanitize your hand regularly, wash your hands regularly. We need to actually take those things serious at this time because corona doesn't respect, uh, it doesn't respect fine boy, fine girl. It doesn't respect fat or thin. It doesn't respect rich or poor. As I was coming, driving down today, I mean, uh, one of the biggest clubs in Europe, Olympiakos uh, in uh, Greece, one of the biggest clubs in Greece, the owner has been infected. I mean, as I was just coming, I just read it. I was shocked. So it doesn't respect anybody, so we need to take it serious. But it's not for us to be afraid. But it's a real fear. What other fear do we have floating around us? Fear of kidnappers. Last week, I was in, uh, over, over the weekend, I was in uh, Kogi State, and uh, when I told people that I was going to the area that I went to, everybody, not one, everybody was, ha, ah, don't go there, that route is kidnappers' route. I mean, I didn't even know before I ventured on the journey that it was that uh, dangerous. But thank God, I went and I'm back here, praise God. But it's a valid fair, because it's all over, it's all over the news. So it's something that uh, people are afraid of right now. Boko Haram, Nigeria, valid fear. Something that we see that is real, that people are afraid of. Um, I put lines there, you can fill up uh, more things. Does anybody have a few things you wanna to add to some of these very big ones that I've talked about? Any other thing that you feel is uh, the entire community right now is something we should be afraid of. Anybody? Sorry? The obvious ones, deaths, sickness, loss of income, you lose your job, uh, you lose a loved one. I mean, they are valid fears, but we should not freak out because they exist. So the, the, what we're learning today is how to stop feeding those fears and how to overcome them. Praise God. So the Bible, does not, um, the Bible does not minimize many of these things that we fear. As a matter of fact, a lot of them manifesting right now is actually a sign that the end times are coming. It's a, real, it's, it's a reality. Wars. The Bible says that when, before Jesus comes, there will be wars. There will be uh, earthquakes. All sorts of uh, these kind of things that we keep hearing in the news. That's what the Bible So it's a sign that uh, the end is coming. So while these are real fears, 
while these are, I mean, uh, real things that we need to pay attention to, the Bible also makes us understand that we need to fear the Lord. So if these are things that we should fear, and we are not supposed to be afraid of them, or that things that, sorry, if these are things that make us want to be afraid of them, but we don't, we shouldn't be afraid of them, then the same Bible now tells us that we should be afraid, we should, be, we should fear the Lord. We should fear the Lord. So what does this mean? What does this mean? The Bible makes us, tells us that we should actually have what we call reverential fear of the Lord. It's an healthy form of fear. What we most times, when we hear fear the Lord, what we most times do is that we, we, we tend to assume that uh, God is to be feared in, 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 in a wrong manner. And at least, I, I just, in my notes here, I put a few of the ways that we fear God. Because if you, if you read James 2.19, James 2.19 says, you believe that there is one God. You have done well. Even the demons believe that there is God and they tremble. So the demons believe that there is God and they fear. The kind of fear they have is based on the kind of fear that God is all about punishment. Because that's their own destiny. That's what they've been consigned to. And that is what the demons actually sell to us as a lie. That this our God is just a God that is waiting and sitting there for anybody to make a mistake. Watch out. It punishes you. you. God says, oh, pay your tithes. You don't pay your tithes. Watch out. As if he's waiting. Doesn't have any other thing to do. He's just waiting for any of his children. That, I mean, how many of us that are parents that are, that are here are waiting for our children that any, you're just waiting for them. Let them just misbehave. Cha, 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 cha. If we don't do that, of course our children misbehave. They err. But if we don't do that, why would then would we think that that is all that God is about? But that's the lie of the devil because this is what has been signed up for the demons. He says, even the demons believe and tremble. They are afraid because they know that that is, God is not, the period of mercy for Satan and his demons are gone. They've been consigned to hell. They can't repent. A demon-possessed person can't repent because that is a human being that has been possessed by a demon. If the demon flees and he repents, he will go to heaven. But a demon itself Case closed. So they are permitted to actually fear God and see God the way they see God. Like, oh, this God is just all about this hellfire because that's their portion. That is not our portion. Amen. Matthew, the second type of wrong fear that we have of God, Matthew 25, 25. Matthew 25, 25 says, the unprofitable servant was corrected for being wicked and lazy. Sorry. I'm just reading my notes, what I wrote. Says, I was afraid, Matthew 25, 25, it's the parable of the, talent, of the talents. It says, I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground instead of using it productively. 
This was the case of the, 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 the servants that, that were given talents. The other two had multiplied what had been given to them. Now, this talent, this servant that had been given only one talent, went to bury the talent and returned it to Jesus, uh, to the master when the master came. And the master was asking why. He says, no, 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 no. I was afraid. Why was he afraid? Because his fear was based on an understanding that God was inconsiderate. I was afraid. Why was he afraid? I was afraid that if I had invested that one talent that I had, I may have lost it, which happens. People go into business genuinely with all effort, with all intent, and things, don't, things go south. Things don't go as expected. He was afraid of that, that, oh, Jesus would not understand that, oh, so the master would not understand that if I had made this error or I had made this mistake in business and uh, with this talent and it didn't go as I expected, if I'm not able to multiply it, God will not be considerate. That is a wrong mentality because God understands. He knows our abilities. He knows what we want to do even before we do it. He knows where our actions is going to take us even before we start. At times, he permits us to go off on the wrong tangent so that we can learn. All he's saying is that when you go off, come back. He's waiting, forever waiting. He's forever waiting, and it's never too late. If it was a matter of being too late, look at the, 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 the thief that was uh, nailed on the cross with Jesus. I don't know how long, how, how much of his life he had been a thief. Probably people had preached to him, people had talked to him, stop. Probably his parents had warned him, this is how you are going to end up if you continue like this. But the very last minute when he repented, what happened? Jesus said, this day you will be with me in paradise. Considerate God. So we, we, we shouldn't be deceived to think that God does not understand our situation. We shouldn't be deceived to think that God is an inconsiderate God that doesn't understand that God is just interested on waiting to punish. Praise God. The third wrong way that we perceive God and why we fear God the way we fear God wrongly is that we have, we, we fear, we have the fear of God that God has too high a standard too high a standard. Revelation 21.8 says, Revelation 21.8, sorry, let me read slow my notes. It says, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshippers, and all liars, their faith is in the fairy lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So because we hear that, we, are, we, 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 we just generally believe that anybody that has been amongst this list, there's no hope for them. There's no hope for repentance for them. And they are forever condemned. No, there is room for repentance. There's always room for repentance. So be, be, beyond this 
fears. There are also all sorts of smaller fears, I mean, that uh, science calls phobias, the fear of heights, the fear of uh, closed, um, um, claustro claustrophobia, when you, you can't stay in a small environment, uh, or fear of open space, fear of uh, water, all sorts of fear. I, I mean, the, 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 uh, science even says there are as much fears as there are different situations that could occur, because people just don't have some fear for some things, you know? I'm afraid of heights. And I've determined that I'm going to break it. And you know what I'm going to do? One day, someday, I'm going to go into an aeroplane and jump out with a parachute. Watch, you will see it on social media when it happens. Amen. <laughs> and I won't die. I'll come back here and stand there and say, yes, no more afraid of heights. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Okay. Um, so when we have all these kind of funny heights, I mean, uh, funny fears, uh, all these phobias, I mean, counseling will usually get you out of it. Uh, reading, having, sharing people experiences with people will get you out of uh, these kind of fears. So now the real, real... Uh, um, Fears, the real valid fears that face us in the real world. Um, I mean, the ones, we, the major ones that we highlighted earlier, uh, coronas and the like. So, how do we tackle them? How do we tackle them? I've listed out six points here of how we tackle them. And um, the, the first point I've listed out says we have to tackle fear with faith. We have to tackle fear with faith. God doesn't want us to be dilapidated by, by, by fear. For those that have the proper awe and respect for God and who strive to obey his commands, God makes us some wonderful promises. For those that have the proper awe and respect, where your, your fear of God is not because you feel God is, a, is, a, is, is one out to punish, not because you feel that God is just out and is an inconsiderate God, not because you feel this God has too high standards and that cannot be met. If you have a reverent fear, proper awe and respect for God, there are promises waiting for us. And I listed out a few of those promises. I'll, I'll, I'll read them out. Isaiah 41, verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When you know God, when you experience and know this God that we're talking about, if you understand him, it is so assuring. When you hear him say that, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. No, just think about it. If God himself is saying his own hand, that is what he's going to use to uphold you. That's for me, it's very comforting. Very, very comforting. He says, fear not, don't be dismayed. I will strengthen you. Your strength is not going to be of you. I will strengthen you. Because when, when, when God strengthens you, usually even all that strength that he probably packs into you is not what he really needs. He's just using that to let you know that I can do what I want to do without your permission. 
and I don't depend on you. If God chooses to strengthen anyone here for, to achieve any purpose, it's, it's a privilege for you, for you to be the person. Because God will still do what he needs to do, irrespective. Um, Elijah, he thought he was the only prophet in town. God told him, no, 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 no. I got enough backup. Enough. More than enough. 700. Is it 700, right? 7,000. 7,000 prophets. In backup mode, waiting to be activated. So if, if Elijah did not understand that the strength of God was more than enough for him, God would just say, okay, rest. Oh, yeah, 7,000. Come on, let's go. Game on. That's how God works. Isaiah 54, 13, another, for, another promise. Isaiah 54, 13 and 14. He says, all your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established and you shall, and you shall be far from oppression. For you shall not fear and from terror for it shall not come near you. So if all the noise around coronavirus and the likes, God is saying, it shall not come near you. This is the promise of God. You believe it, hold on to it. Do what you need to do. Protect yourself. God is saying he will do his own part. And these are the words of God. These, 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 are, these are the words of God which you can take back to God and hold God to it because he doesn't fail. His words don't fail. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? You know, at times I worry about the, the situation in Nigeria from a political point. But each time I worry, this kind of scripture just calms me down. Behold, is there anything too hard for me? When I read the scriptures about uh, the, the servants whose uh, arm, the, the one at the gates, when uh, the lepers went into the enemy territory. And he said, ah, how can this be? How can God make uh, food to be this common? And he says, okay, you will see it. You won't hit of it. In one night, if God can cause abundance like that in a place of famine, I don't think it's too impossible for God to turn around the situation in Nigeria. And he will. In the mighty name of Jesus. Is there anything too hard for me? Is Nigeria too hard for God? Is the mind of our leaders too hard for God? I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. He will cause a turnaround in the mighty name of Jesus. Matthew 10, 29, 31 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very heirs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are more valuable than many sparrows. You know, at times we, we see ourselves as too, too tiny, too insignificant for God to bother about. But God is saying that, look, the birds of the air, the smallest of them, the, most, the least important of them, the sparrow. God says, not 
Is anybody here that has been walking on the street and you just suddenly see a bird fall down because he's hungry? Just fall down, because, uh, oh, coronavirus hit it. God is saying, if that cannot happen to the birds of the air that are not important, how much more you that I created in my image? How much more you? So why fear? Why are you bothered? The air on your head, even this part that is bald, God says he knows. God says it's counted. Not one of it will fall off without his approval, without him knowing. And there are 10 billion of us on the planet. And he knows each one. And, <laughs> hear me out. He knows each one, whether you are saved or not, because he created all of us. Meaning he's bothered, he's concerned about every one of us. So why are we, why are we afraid? Why fear? Why be afraid? God's got your back. God's got your back. So don't think you are too, too insignificant or you are, you are not important for God. No, God says you are important to me. Praise God. Okay, I need to move faster now. Says, um, another scripture there says, Luke 12, 32, it says, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is the, it is the pleasure of God. Jesus said he's going back to build mansions. How many places will he stay? He's going back to build it for you and high. So God means you, it means well for you. So fear not. Fear not. These are scriptures, there's more there, you can read them as, uh, uh, when you get home. But these are scriptures that you can breathe, I mean, read and ruminate over them. See how it applies to you. Think about them, digest them, see how it applies to you, and put it before God. Bring it before your situations. Bring it before those mountains. Bring it before those mountains and tell those mountains, no, 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 this is what God, what God says concerning me. And you'll see how God's word will come alive in your life in the name of Jesus. Second thing to do to overcome fears, Mark 9, 24. Second thing to do to overcome fears, Mark 9, 24. I'll read that very quickly. It says, Mark 9, 24. If you can put it on the screen, fantastic. Otherwise, I'll read it here. Mark 9, 24. It's a story that we read of the father. The father was telling Jesus, have mercy on us and help us if you can. That's in verse 22. He says, have mercy on my son and help us if you can. And Jesus says, if I can? What do you mean, if I can? Anything is impossible if a person believes. And the father says, I believe, but help my unbelief. How does that, how does that sound? It's like saying, I'm hungry, but give me food. I want to eat. It's like saying, um, you, you give someone a question. I know the answer to this question, but help me answer it. You understand? It doesn't add up. In essence, what he was saying was that I am afraid and my fear is valid. Just help my fear. So what do we do? Number two is that we go to God with our affairs. We go to God with our affairs. The things that you are afraid of, 
God knows already. Just go to him and tell him. You don't need to hide it. This man was bold. He had been carrying this boy. He had been the one living with this boy and suffering with this boy and worried every day. This is not the time to pretend. This is not the time to do macho man. Why, meanwhile, your hands are shaking under. This is the time to come out clearly and say, God, I am afraid. Help me. I need help. He says, I believe, but help my own belief. It sounds very funny. But if we have to be funny like that, yeah, we need to. Help. Cry out for help. We can ask God for his strength and peace. David did it. Psalm 34 verse 4. David says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. This was David, the master fighter, the king of Israel. He says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. It's not uncommon. It is, not, it is okay for you to approach God with your fears. It's very okay. You know, when we approach our fellow humans with the things that makes us be afraid, it makes us feel weak. It makes us feel inferior. And because of that, when we're engaging God, we feel the same way. But we're learning today that don't, don't feel that way with God. Don't feel that way with God. Come to God that are making you to be afraid. Valid concerns, bring them before God. Apostle, Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 7, 15. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Sorry, that's Philippians 4, 6, 7. Said, I mean, be anxious for nothing. Bring everything before God. Bring your prayers. Bring your supplication. Bring it before God with thanksgiving. And see how God will respond. Because when we approach God with our hearts open, no holds bad, God always responds. God usually waits on us. He doesn't respond immediately when we have, when we're still coding. You know what I mean by coding? When, when we're not open enough, we're not totally vulnerable. He's saying, okay, when you're ready, I'm ready. When you're ready, I'm ready. But if we come totally vulnerable to him, he's more than ready to, to, to help us. Praise God. You know, um, yesterday I, I read a, a quote on someone's timeline. And the quote said, wise men know that they don't know everything. But only fools are the ones that say they know everything. So when you come to God, you should know that you are a, if, if you are a wise person, you will know that you can approach God and say, God, I don't, this area, I'm afraid of. This area, I don't know. Help me. And he will. If you're a wise person, come to God, open up, and he will help you. Praise God. Third thing we need to do, third thing we need to do is that we need to seek God's Spirit. We need to seek God's spirit. Acts 2. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Acts chapter 2, 38 says, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of of the Holy Spirit. 
God gives his spirit to those who repent and those that are baptized. If you want to be, to be able to live a life above fear, you need to live a life filled with the spirit of God. You need to have the Holy Spirit. It's not... Having the Holy Spirit is not... Uh, and, and living with the Holy Spirit, being able to speak in tongues, is not a gift only for people that are in prayer department or people that just want to spend time praying. It's a, it's a, it's a gift that God has given to us in this world to empower us to be able to walk with him at all times. And just imagine, if you are walking with God at all times, what is it that can come against God? Or that can stand and, and take your attention or, or pull you away from God? When, as he said earlier, he will support you with his right hand. What is it? So the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is an invaluable asset, if I, can, if I may use that word. It's an invaluable asset for us as Christians. And we shouldn't pay lip service to, his, to, to, to the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't as, take, take it for granted and just say, uh, it's for those uh, spiritual people. No. It is for everyone that wants to live a victorious life. You need the Holy Spirit. We seek God's spirit, you will live above fear. Because when the things that cost you fear comes, all you need to do is to spray, is begin to speak in tongues. And you just realize that you are, you are an overcomer. You just realize that you are, you are victorious. You know, um, some time ago I was working in an organization and um, the CEO of that organization was someone that was extremely, extremely temperamental, and everybody on his workforce was, you would step into the office and you would be afraid that you may lose your job or that this man is just going to come, out, come at you any day, any time. It was like that. The average people staying there, working in that organization, a very big organization, but average, maybe six months, People that work there, six months, nine months, you are gone. Is that how he fires you or you yourself will run? You know? And while I was working there, one of my colleagues who was always G3, we had the same job role, job function as salespeople, he came into the office one day. He had just got uh, shredded <laughs> by, by this CEO and he walked into the office and saw me just calm down, relaxed, doing my job. And he looked at me and said, Kunle, he did like this to me. He said, Kunle, this is what they call the peace of God that makes no sense. It was. So I went in prepared with the Holy Spirit. So when everybody is panicking me and speaking in tongues, when I'm going to work every day, I'm, I'm, I'm there with the power of the Holy Spirit, not of my own. I spent just about nine months in that organization. Not one day did that man raise his voice against me. Not one day. And I left on my own. Praise God. The gift of the Spirit is not something to be played with. It's not a toy. It's not a, it's not, it's not a non-important. It's an essential for you to live a victorious life. Praise God. Number four. We said earlier in number one that you must have faith. Number four is that you need to grow in faith. 
you need to grow in faith. Faith is like, a mu- is like your muscles. If, if, if you are someone with a lot of muscles, if you don't exercise it, it doesn't grow. It stays static. And after a while, it can even begin to gather moss, gather fat. You need to exercise it. David looked at Goliath. And he could speak to Goliath and say, you, this Goliath, I'm going to cut off your head. You know why? Because when the lion came, I cut off the lion's head. When the bear came, I cut off the bear's head. So you, Goliath, you are minced meat. He could do that. If there was a record of another event in the Bible after Goliath, I'm sure what he would have told that other event would have been, oh, you, this mountain, I'm going to cut off your head. You know why? Because I've cut off Goliath's head. I've cut off the bear's head. I've cut off the lion's head. He had exercised enough. He has exercised his faith. He has built the spiritual muscles. He has built the faith muscles. So that when things that could make him to be afraid stood before him, he looked back and he could sing, you have helped me in the past. You will help me again. Jesus, I depend on you. And he goes forward. You can only do that when you exercise your faith. The little things that you are struggling with right now, begin to deal with them spiritually. When you deal with them, recognize. Don't just recognize it. Celebrate it. Make sure it is in your memory. Make sure it's in your remembrance. So that when the bigger ones come, you can say, ah, God, you dealt with... Of course, Goliath was bigger than lion and bear. Size-wise. The sword of Goliath would probably have taken out a bear and taken out a lion, the way the Bible described it. But David knew that. He had conquered that. Ah, you. You are the same. You will fall. Praise God. So faith is like a muzzle. It needs to be exercised to develop. James 3.20. James 3.20. It says, says, how foolish. Can't you see that faith without good works, good deeds, is useless? Because David did not only just speak, but he acted. He took a stone. He ran towards Goliath and slung the stone. Praise God. How many more minutes? Okay, praise God. The fifth... Um, okay, fifth uh, thing we need to do when it comes to building our faith is that we need to focus on the positive. We need to focus on the positive if you look at the, 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 the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it's a roll call of the people, what we call the roll call of the people of faith. And if you pick every one of them, as the Bible rolls them out, you'll see that there are people that lived their lives based on faith. They trusted God. They trusted God. When they 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 thought about the positives, not the negatives. They were always seeing things as half full, not half, they were always seeing the cup as half full, not half empty. They were always positive. They could always, always only look at the positive. Abel, the Bible says he brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. A more acceptable. So he was always looking positive. Abraham, Sarah, the Bible talks about all of them. Noah, Noah, I mean, before Noah, you know, we, 
We read about the rain that came that uh, wiped out the whole world. The truth was that there was no record of any rain before Noah. In historically, there was no record of anything called rain. So when Noah was building the ark and was telling the people, time is coming, rain is going to fall, and it's going to wipe up the whole of earth. Seeing only God, the positive, was looking forward. Was looking forward, wasn't looking behind. Was thinking and only focusing on the positive. And, I mean, we, we, we know how that went. Paul says in four, Philippians 4, verse 8, Philippians 4, verse 8, Apostle Paul also says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So when, those, when, when fear comes knocking on your door and you hear, oh, there's a retrenchment list, don't think about your name being on that list. Think of a promotion list that your name is going to be on. If, 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 if you hear of, I mean, people, things going wrong, don't think about it happening to you. Think about how you are going to rise above every other thing. Because, the, I mean, it says, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things alone. Don't meditate on negative things. Because if you do, you see, our minds is, is amazing. Whatever we spend time on, our minds is amazing. Whatever we spend time on thinking about becomes magnified. It just keeps growing. It, goes, it keeps growing. And may grow bigger than what we plan initially. So we need to choose and be deliberate about what we think about. Praise God. Finally, number six. Perfect love casts out fear. When we, when we have what I call perfect love for God, perfect love for God, it casts out fear. Because like I was describing earlier on, when you're in love with God and you're permanently with him, because you have the spirit in you, with you at all times. Nothing evil can come near you. No works, no plan of the enemy can touch you without God knowing. And if God, for whatever reasons, permits it, you know that the ultimate end is going to be better. Because he says, my thoughts towards you are thoughts of good and not of evil that will give you an expected end. Job was walking with God. 
Job had a very good relationship with God. He wasn't, I mean, the Bible tells us that he wasn't even sure about the relationship his children had with God, such that every time they have a party, every time they throw a party, Job, as soon as he wakes up in the morning, will go and offer sacrifices to God and say, my God and my Lord, perhaps these children have sinned at this their party. You know their children. Please be merciful. For my sake, have mercy on them. And he will offer a sacrifice to God. That was how close he was with God. Then Satan came and tried to put some sand in his gary. But God permitted it. Why? Because God put a restraint on Satan. Do whatever, but don't touch his life. Because God he knew immediately that, oh, Satan will do his worst. Satan, uh, Job will not fail. And when he doesn't fail, he will multiply whatever he thinks he has right now that is making him prosperous, that is making him, that he thinks is okay, that he will multiply it times two. You know, the, the thing about pain and torture and, and uh, sadness and all those things that uh, Satan puts us through that makes us to think that um, it's the end of the world is that when joy comes, just for one day, one day of joy, you will forget seven years of pain. That's how it works. Because it just fills your heart. You, will for, you may re remember it, but when you are remembering, you are eating a piece of chicken and say, chai, is life sweet too. Because that's, how, that's what God promises you. He, he says the end, the end, if you stick there, the end will be better. So our relationship with God grows on the foundation of John, 1 John 4.19, which says that we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved, loved, loved us. If, so what, if he first loved us, before we loved him. And I like this because, you know, when I'm praying, when I'm praying, especially when I'm praying for people, I tell God, I said, I, I, I bring scriptures to him. He says, no one comes to the Father except the Father draws him near. So when I'm praying for people that are not saved, I say, please, Father, because you have said no one can come unless you draw. Draw this person near. And he honors them. He honors the prayers. So the same way, he's saying that we love God today because he first loved us. Even when we didn't know him, he loved us. He knows every one of us sitting here, whether you're saved or not, and he still loves you. He still cares for you. He still counts the number of air on your head, and he pays attention to every one of them, and not one falls down without his permission. That's how much love he has for us. So what does that love do? If we follow his steps and let him live in us, we will not need to fear the only thing that the world needs to fear. And that's God's day of judgment. If we are in love with God, the day of judgment will not be what we are going to be afraid of again. And that's what the whole world is afraid of. Praise God. So, in summary, we can go to God with our affairs. We can seek more of his spirit. We can grow in faith in his ability to defeat anything that threatens us. 
we can find comfort and security in his loving care. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's where I end the teaching for today. So any questions? Anyone with any questions or contribution or additions or something you don't agree with? Praise God. If there is none, let us pray. Eternal Rock of Ages, we just want to thank you, Lord. We are so grateful. Thank you for all that you have done again today, Lord. Thank you for helping us to understand all that we have learned. We pray in the name of Jesus that all this, Lord, will be of use in our lives. That everything we've learned today, Lord, will stand for us and not against us to the praise and glory of your name. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.